Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. You're listening to The Real Down, sponsored by Catch Photo Release Tournaments. This is your premier tournament source. Here are your hosts, Sam Jones and Dan Perry. Welcome back. Welcome back. You're listening to another episode of The Real Down on the Paddle and Fin podcast. We got an awesome show lined up for you tonight. We got two amazing guests, 2017 national champion, Kurt Smits, and rookie of the year for KBF, Derek Brundle. What's going on, boys? How are we doing? Welcome, welcome. You guys doing good? Oh, yeah. Getting settled in back home from your long road trips. You both had long road trips. Uh, Kurt, yeah. you're in Ohio, and 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 Derek, you're what Massachusetts? I yeah, can't. Man. yeah. yeah. So long, <laughs> long road trips <laughs> there. Yeah, yeah it was, it was guaranteed. Back, it was like guaranteed money. Yeah. Dan, how you doing tonight, man? Living a dream. Happy to be here. We have some storms coming in tonight, so hopefully my internet will hold up. But yeah, doing good. Yeah. It's icing and raining and snowing all at the same time here. So good old Indiana. Same. All right. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get into this thing. So, um, who wants to go first? Who wants to who wants to get this thing started off? We want to talk about the the ten, or we want to talk about Seminole. Let the champ go first. All right. I like <laughs> it. I like it. All right. So. Uh, yeah. So the two tournaments that we're covering tonight, obviously Lake Seminole, the um hobie bass open series kicked off down there and what a tough event i mean so it could have gone either way right it could have been an absolute slug fest or it could have been what it was which was uh a, an event where a lot of people really struggled well uh, wait a minute wait man, a minute. I, wait I struggled <laughs> wait a minute and i'm gonna say it right now man those top two guys josh and jake that was a slug fest man Fair enough. 21 inches in the first 45 minutes. Unreal. Day one, man, that is like a baseball bat right across your face. Right there, man. This was a slugfest. I mean, I'm not saying it wasn't a hard fishing for a lot of people, but the two guys that really figured out that really, really big fish bite for both days, it was a slugfest between those two guys. But, let, yeah. but, but let's say this. You were the only one in the top three who actually increased their weight on the second day, too. So they, they did great. But, hey, don't don't be too humble because, you I mean, you came back and you almost, you know, you, you were making a run for it. So yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to say, like, what ifs. But, you know, my main lake spot, if that would have had fish day one, because it, it, it was reloading during practice. Yeah. If they would have been active on day one, I would have had about the same bag limit for two days, which would have brought me closer. Still wouldn't have been the, you know, still wouldn't have been to put me over the top of those guys, but it would have been closer, you know. 
Well, let's talk about this real quick. Guy puts up 150 and in the first hour, like you said, uh, Josh, is it Josh? How do you say his last counts? Josh counts. I think it is. Yeah. Anyway, puts up 150, like 2150, 2125, 2050, 1925, 19. Like I, I just picture this guy rolling back to the ramp, getting in the truck, driving back. And he's just watching the leaderboard drinking coffee with his boss glasses on just like ha i got you man he yeah. fished just the day he said he said he kept fishing he moved he moved from that spot because he didn't want to beat it up too bad and kept fishing and upgraded one of those fish throughout the day wow mm. so he went so he went if you're practicing. upgrading any fish on a 101 inch bag i mean dude slug fest uh, that is a slugfest. So I'm curious. I'm curious where he was fishing. I'm curious to where others were fishing. It sounds like it sounds like one of two things, and we're going to get into it. Either it was a really difficult, a really particular bite that only a couple people figured out, or it sounds like maybe, hey, part of the lake was on fire. The rest of the lake was not. So I want to kind of get into that with you, Kurt. So um, obviously you finished in third place, as we've said, 169 inches. So only 10 inches off of the lead. Um, oh <laughs> well, so, that, so typically, right. That would be like a bigger number would seem more drastic. But when we're talking about a guy who puts up a hundred inches on day one and you put up 80 closing that gap, by, uh, you had a 20 inch gap, closing it down to 10 is actually pretty impressive in my eyes. So, and then it falls off. Like you have Jason Broach was at 168 right behind you, but then it was 144. That's that's like a you know like an average bag. That's not those guys weren't catching a full bag the second or first day. That's what's right. happening there. That's what you're seeing happen there. They're missing the fish, so that number drops off real quick. But so like the guy right behind me, right? He only had four fish day two, I believe. So, day two he had 94 inches. Or day one was it day one? Yeah, day one 74 inches. Yeah, so he he was a fish short on day one, so that would have changed everything right there. I mean, it it was it was a slugfest, man. It was a slugfest. Now these are Florida bass, and we did have that cold front roll in that week before, and it just stayed cold the whole time, and those fish don't like it, man. But I mean, if you got on the bite. It seemed like they were big fish. A lot of them were. Okay, yeah. so do you think it was a particular portion of the lake that was turned on and the rest wasn't? Or do you think it was just getting in the right area and throwing something very particular? Uh, yeah, it was finding the fish that were biting and figuring out what they were biting on. That was okay. the deal. And that's why it was so hard because people were finding fish, but they just couldn't get them to bite. They're the Florida bass, you know what I mean? I don't have yeah. a lot of experience in Florida bass, but everyone tells you that they'll just completely shut down in these cold yeah. And what, uh, and I, I think it was only 12 people, 10 or 12 people weighed, have five, not weighed, but had five fish on both days. How, how, when did you get there at practice? How many days did you get? I had three days of practice. Yeah. was there, I got down Tuesday, but I didn't fish Tuesday. I had Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then the tournament for Saturday and Sunday. And did you so, practice all, all over the lake or were, I, I know we had talked offline and you said that 
you were out at Wingate and that's where you put in and that's where you caught them. Did you practice all over or was that just yeah, one launch? Yeah, I practiced a couple different spots, but, you know, there was just something about Wingate when I fished there that it just set up good for me, you know, and I just liked it. It was close to the house, so I literally had a five-minute drive. Wow. I've never had a five-minute drive in the morning where I could just get up and go, yeah, I think I'll get to the ramp at 645 because we're going to launch it. Set. You know what I mean? It was just so close to my house where we were staying, and, and it just set up good. There's a big junk fishing area that I could – that I knew I could get numbers off of. And then when I found that uh, main lake spot, there was a couple spots in the main lake, but one of them was better than the other two. Um, that just set up good for me. I mean, it was just, it was perfect Texas rig, finesse fishing. The only place I found rocks in the whole lake. Rocks. Oh, rocks. I definitely did not find rocks. Okay. Rocks. Now we're talking. Right, hey, so- was, was, there, was there some kind of research or something that you saw before that, that kind of keyed you in to that's where you wanted to be? Um, yeah, I mean, when you just when you just look at it there, the, the makeup of the land, and I was pre-fishing with my buddy Mitchell, who anytime, we're, anytime we are fishing tournaments together, we're good friends, so we'll pre-fish together, you know what I mean? He okay. fishes different than me, so we pre-fish good together. He's a real, like, uh, reaction bait guy, and I'm a very finesse guy. So he'll he'll do his strength, I'll do mine, and we'll just cover one big area, and we'll know what the bite is because he's throwing different stuff than me. And it was actually his idea to go there, and I was like, and I looked at it, and I'm like, yeah, that looks killer, man. Let's go there. And you know, the real killer part was is once I got out to the main lake. After I got done fishing shallow, I went out to the main lake and just scanned. You know, I mean, I just used my torpedo and I ran. I don't even know how many miles, just miles and miles and miles in the main lake, just looking. And when I saw my side scan, I saw this hump and it wasn't real prominent on like Navionics. Like you could hardly see it on a map because the maps aren't that detailed for uh, at least the ones I was looking at, which is Navionics, uh, weren't very detailed and it didn't really show it super clear on the map, but there was a hump and there was a series of humps, you know, one. And so there was like two humps. One hump had weeds growing up that turned into a mat. And then within 10 feet of that hump was a rock pile on another hump, right? And then that one kind of elongated out and didn't have anything on it. It was completely clean on this hump, surrounded by, uh, it was like 25 feet of water on one side and 20-something on the other side. And when I say main lake, it wasn't really on the main channel. It was just, it was... If you, if you look at the map down there, there's like a main channel, and then there's like a secondary channel, and then there's almost like a, sometimes there's almost like a third channel on it. And, I'm, and I don't know what these are exactly, but maybe they're old mountains or hills or something. But uh, I was like on that second one in between the, the real, really what I'd call the main lake and then the, the flat that was up from it. And but when, it just, when, I mean, it's juicy, man, right? I mean, you see yeah. something that grows up and makes a mat next to a rock pile and next to one of the only clear clear humps I found in the whole lake. All the other humps had grass all over them. Yeah. I mean, it's different. It was like the only thing I found that was, like, different in the lake. And uh, and during practice, man, it was, uh, I, you know, I, I shook off, like, four good fish. I just shook them off that were out there and they were and they were good fish i shook each one off and 
But you know, the thing was, is that when I went out there on uh, day one, they just weren't there. Or they weren't biting. I didn't see them on my fish finder and they weren't there. Like, I, I, don't, I, don't, you know, I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know where they went. They were there for two days of practice and then not there. So that rock formation, do you think that was a, a natural formation that was there? Or you think somebody dumped those there? Or you think that was a foundation? Okay. Think somebody was, put it there. And they were square. Whatever it was, they were like really big and square. Right. Hmm. So uh, I, when I saw them, I, when I, they stood out my side scan. Because so maybe was, like old so bridge, big. something with makeup old man, bridge. There, or? there was no... It was nothing else there, so I don't know what it was, honestly. I don't know if it was just some garbage that was left there before they flooded the lake. There was nothing. There was no roadbeds near it on Avionics. There was uh, there was really nothing near it. It just it was just like a you know, and the rock pile wasn't very big. I mean, less than the size of my car. Very cool. Well, that's an interesting find. So I think what's interesting about this episode and having you both on is we got two tournaments in a very similar landscape going on at the same time. So, so Derek, let's, let's bring you into the conversation here a little bit. And let's, let's get a little play back and forth on, on what these two, so you're in Florida, Seminoles right there on the Florida, um, Georgia line, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And that was not a plug for Florida, Georgia line. So <laughs> terrible if, music. No, if it's, you're, it's, if you're it's, listening it's, to FGL, that was not a plug. So don't get excited. So Seminole is like an hour northwest of Tallahassee, if you're looking at a map. So what's the dip? So did anybody know the difference between the two? Did anybody make the drive? Yeah, I mean, it, it looked like they were wearing snowsuits up there. I mean, we had a lot of warmer weather down down a little bit further south. I mean, uh, I was I was trying to drive and watch and watch at the same time as I was coming back. Probably not the safest thing, but uh, I saw everybody was bundled up, so it definitely looked a lot colder there. Um, I know most of the days out of both tournaments that I fished got into the 60s, high 60s, low 70s at least. So, I mean, I think our weather was substantially warmer than up there. Kurt, what did you guys have for water temp up there? 50. It, it started at 54 and went down to 51 while we were Holy cow, yeah. yeah. I didn't see anything less than 59. And some points I had a temperature like 66. I, now, I was jealous of you guys, man, because every time I yeah. checked on you guys – Everyone's wearing shorts and flip flops. Oh, yeah, man. They're all hanging out. I'm not a good judge of that because I'm from New England. I wear shorts when it's like 60 because that's like summer here. So (laughs) most people think I'm nuts anyways. But, yeah, I mean, it was nice. It it really felt good to have the sun on my face. and, and, And the weather seemed a lot warmer where I was than where you guys were for sure. Kurt was in a house. I was out in a tent at Seminole State Park, and it was, I'll tell you what, it got cold. It, it got down <laughs> into the 30s. So I, I remember the first day of the tournament, the water level, it, we got out there. Yeah, I think first cast was at 7.30, and it was fine for about an hour, and then the water temperature started dropping. A cold front came through, and it, it was noticeably colder. And the water, I mean, it only dropped like a at one degree, but, you know, I could see it on my... Uh, my graph that was going down because I felt it too. Now, Brundle, is it true that I think I heard that the water temperature had dropped 20 degrees the week prior to your event though. They were been in the seventies almost all winter and then they, it plummeted with that cold front. Is that accurate? Yeah, it definitely did. It definitely did. Uh, My buddy Cam Smith was down there 
uh, for the BASS Open, and uh, he told me he had like substantially warmer temperatures, almost up into the 70s, um, which I was like thrilled for because I figured every fish would be on the beds when we got there and, and all that. And then I watched that weather forecast go downhill, um, and it definitely chilled the water off for sure. But yet you still did find one on a bed. One. Literally was one, and it was like a nine-pounder. Yeah, wow. so tell us about that. Tell us tell us the story. How does that go down? I want to hear it. It was crazy, man. I was on Toho, and um, we pre-fished it a little bit, but we bounced around because there were so many lakes to choose from down there, you know? Uh, and there's just way too much water to cover. We got there. Well, we left here up in Massachusetts on Saturday morning. We got there on Sunday morning. We drove straight through. Um, I think we went straight to... Yeah, we fished Toho first day. We went straight to Toho. No sleep. You drove all the way through. Dude, well, I, nine hours. Right in the truck, it's like I gotta go. My adrenaline's pumping. There's tournament coming. I need to get there. Um, <laughs> I had two dudes with me, and those dudes slept. Like they're like, you want me to drive? I'm like, no, I'm good. Just rip it. I ended up oh. getting down to. Uh, we left here at like four in the morning. I got to Big Toho Marina at three thirty. Went to sleep till five thirty woke up and they were like loading the tournament up they had like 50 bass boats getting ready to go in and i was like oh man so we took <laughs> off and went to a different ramp um and uh went out pre-fish it was terrible for me pre-fishing i i think i caught like one that was like 11 and a half inches but um uh, anyways fast forward to that fish you were talking about um i had just gotten out into some like random reed patches and I had the motor guide going and I was just running the edges of them with a chatterbait and I was catching them pretty good um white and chartreuse chatterbait but um I happened to be looking down as I was reeling up my chatterbait because they were hitting like within a foot of the boat man it was like they were tracking it tracking it tracking it and then they would come up and eat it like right beside my trans right beside my transducer most of the time um so I happened to be looking down and I went over a bed and I had, I've, I've been over some beds, but they were vacant. You know what I mean? The fish were gone. And I went over the bed and I seen this thing down there and it was like massive. I went, oh my goodness. So I just shut the motor off and drifted over to the side and then um, hit the pinpoint GPS anchor and sat there for a minute and kind of gathered myself. And I threw a Cinco in there about, I don't know, a hundred times. She picked it up by the blue tip once, moved it off the bed. I could, I mean... It was only 10 feet from me, and the, it was like the clearest water I've seen yet. I watched her pick it up and drop it off the side of the net, off the, the side of the bed. And um, I was like, man, this is, she's not going to bite. And I threw the chatterbait down and kind of ran it down across quick, and she didn't pay any attention to it. And then I did that three or four times, and I could see her, her fins starting to flutter a little bit, so I knew she was getting mad. So nope. um, I know back home, Back here in Massachusetts, when it's bedtime, the fish cannot resist that little tiny jerky jay on a drop shot. You throw that thing in the bed, and it looks like a shiner eating some eggs or something, and they go ballistic on it. Um, so it had been about an hour, and I was dreading it because it was such a big fish, and I had 10-pound tests on my drop shot rod, and she was right on the edge of those pencil reeds down there. Um, but I said, you know what, I'm going to try it anyways. I threw it in there, and she ate it immediately. 
um huh. <laughs> that little rod just folded right over man and i grabbed the rod and and i grabbed the spool the reel because she was running into those reeds i figured if she was going to break me off she was going to you know break me off so I, as soon as i did that and i put as much pressure on i could and kind of leaned back on her she turned and swam right out in open water like that never happens you know what i mean um and then i just got off of the the anchor button and let her pull me around for a little bit um got her to the boat went to net her and she freaked out just i'm glad i have a good a good drag on that diet with tattoo spinning reel and it was just and i almost i almost like lost it and i i got her back oh, and i got her back and i finally netted her and um yeah it was pretty cool it was cool how deep of water was she in like five feet five feet okay yeah. all right wow yeah that That's was actually the awesome. deepest bed i saw too all the rest of them went like 10 to 12 inches of water they were real real shallow so was that a pb for you it was yeah yeah so were most of your other bites on uh the jackhammer then for the tournament actually it was you know the cheap old 499 chatterbait that they wouldn't bite the jackhammer for some reason i couldn't get them to bite the jackhammer and um another buddy of mine that lives down there told me try that cheap 499 jack um chatterbait the original one he said i've been catching them on that so i threw that thing on and they they i mean this is it right here i mean this thing is just just beat up completely i mean the busted one of the tails off i mean all the half the skirts missing um and they i would love to see somebody do a sound wave test and a vibration test on those baits they like, feel completely different on the rod yeah and, and normally that jackhammer will outperform that cheap one anytime um, but I don't know what it was. I mean, I had the same color, um, same gold blade. I mean, I don't, I don't know what the difference was, but they, I got maybe half the bites on the jackhammer that I got on the cheap one. Interesting. Uh, interesting. Uh, Kurt. So were you, you're a, you're a finesse guy. I know that. And you said that earlier in the podcast. Um, what, what was it for you? What was your top techniques down there? And, uh, uh, so it was a Texas rig when I was on the main lake, and then when I was jump fishing, I was just throwing like a wacky rigged uh, worm, man. Just one of those, just one of these guys, man. Okay. You know, okay. Just, and just throwing at everything when I was jump fishing. What uh, what color were you using? Uh, I was using a couple different ones, uh, but the the kudzu. Like you guys kudzu. See that? It's like a. Hmm. It's like a really light green that has flake in it. Okay. And it looks killer in the water. Do you think do you think that maybe part of figuring out the bite down there at Seminole was was matching the hatch and particularly matching tilapia? You know, honestly, I don't know, man. Is is that what a tilapia looks like? Does it look like a green little slender worm that's going like this in the water? <laughs> I mean, I, you know, honestly, I, I'm not sure. You know, obviously, when I was Texas rigging and I was throwing a, a crawl on a small worm, it, it obviously looks like a minnow or it looks like a crawl, right? There's no question about those two. But the, I, I don't, honestly, I don't know, man, because they would come out and grab it. Yeah. Like, it, it, it didn't have to be right in front of them. I would see these squirrels, and then they, they would smack it. Interesting. Okay. All right. So I'm not Very sure cool. what it was imitating. You know what I mean? Well, I just wonder if sometimes they key in on a 
not necessarily the profile, but on the collar. And, and then was, not, it was a color gig, man. I threw some other colors, and they weren't as they they either weren't at nearly as effective, or they didn't catch any fish. Now, Ooh. did you did you notice a difference between because uh, you guys had a mix of sun and clouds while you were down there, right? Yeah, it was changing nonstop. Yeah. Did you notice a difference in the bite on that particular worm or color depending on sun or cloud? It's hard to say because it, for me, day one was mostly cloudy, mm-hmm. and then day two was all sunshine. Mm-hmm. But you know, there was so much pressure. You know, you know, you went to Wingate. There was so much pressure there from fishing from day one. I mean, how many people do you think were fishing there? Twenty people. Yeah. For sure. I mean, at least. And then that, that's just kayak guys. I mean, there was big boats and everybody else. Yeah, there was a lot of pressure there on day one. So my day two bite, you know, I found a bunch of small fish, junk fish. And I didn't find any of my quality fish. Um, so it's hard to say. It's, it's hard to say. It, but it was sunny. You know, that changed, too. So right. maybe the sunshine made them key in on the color even more. And they're like, well, that doesn't really look like what I want. You know what I mean? Does, or it's it's hard to say because there was so sure. much pressure there on day one. I mean, I was I was really worried about day two going back out there and jump fishing, just be, just because everybody was fishing shallow. I didn't see anyone fishing on the main channel, but everyone was fishing shallow. Okay, okay. So let's talk about this real quick. You know, this was the this was the start to the season, right? For both of you, this is this is this is kicking it off, setting the tone. How and and Derek, we'll start with you first. Mm-hmm. How how big was this to to the moment for you for momentum going into the rest of the season? Like how big was this, and how much of an impact did it have on you to have this type of a finish and this type of a showing um, at that event? Oh, it's huge. I mean, any anytime you can, you know, start the year off well, kind of gives you that that boost. Um, and and especially down there, being that it was you know the whole ten and the ten invitational deal, uh, plus the whole deal of staying in the mansion and all that, and and it was, and all the film crews and everything. Um, so there was quite a bit of pressure to finish well. Um, luckily, that did happen, um, and and I think that'll really help me. Um, Confidence-wise, moving forward. I mean, we're going down to Santee Cooper next month. Uh, at the end of this month. And um, hopefully carry that confidence in because I, I think you guys will all agree. I mean, when you're confident, you fish way better. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, when, when you got that initial backing of, you know, uh, you know, I think I took home like five grand or something from everything that happened down there. So the initial backing of that takes a lot of the pressure off of, you know, because I'm, I'm I'm an average dude. I still work every day. Um, <laughs> I even work on the weekend. I work a lot when I'm not fishing. I'm working. So um you know having well, that you're no pressure. longer an average dude my friend you're the same dude um, yeah and i still have the same job um right. which is really cool because i pretty much laid it on the line to them before i went down there um that <laughs> sounds funny to say but fishing comes first and they were really cool with that they were like you know hey whatever um you know i, I take care of a, a bunch of group homes up here and um I'm responsible for all the maintenance and, and the upkeep and passing all the state inspections and all that. Um, and we do, we do very well with that. So they're very happy. So they basically told me, you know, make your own schedule, do your thing, 
go fishing. As long as that stuff looks the way it's supposed to, you'll hear no issues from us. So uh, that also made it a lot easier going forward. So, um, I mean, I'll take as much advantage of that as I can. Um, Right, right. And hit as many of these tournaments as I can. So So So. do you think uh, placing where you did in the Timbitational – because from an outsider looking in and watching all the go lives and the videos and and, and looking through the, the pictures and stuff like that, like you had a certain swag going into the actual tin. Like, uh, oh you, yeah, absolutely. you could re- you could tell like you were you were feeling really good about where you finished. No, you didn't get the win, but you were feeling really good going into the ten, right? Is that yeah, a fair absolutely. Assumption? I mean, I, I I'll be honest. I mean, I always just try and shoot for like a top ten finish, um, and anything that I start off in, um, and then and then as the tournament progresses, I I try and push myself a little further to be me, you know, hopefully in that top five. Um, sometimes it's possible, sometimes it's not, but, um, yeah. I mean, well, wait, 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 hold on. Last year, speaking of top 10, I pulled this number off KBA, uh, Tourney X last year, you had 20 tournaments and you were in the top 10, 17 of them. Ooh. That's crazy. So, so, I mean, yeah. if your if your goal is top 10, dude, you are getting it done. <laughs> you, you need to set your goals higher, my man. I, yeah, right, no, I, agree. I agree. I agree. You, you obviously accomplished what you set out to do. Yeah. So I'm thinking, man, a top 10, you got to, you, so what's behind that? Is that, you, you know, that's where the money line is and you want to make sure that you're in the money. Is that a financial thing or is that just what, well, what drives that? I think it's twofold really, to be honest with you. Um, again, like I said, I, I'm a working guy. So the, the financial aspect, definitely. Um, I wouldn't say I need to cash a check every time, but it helps to, you know, ease the, is the tension of leaving the house <laughs> uh, quite often um, to go do this stuff. I mean, and my wife is super accepting. Uh, I couldn't ask for a better person for that. But um, knowing that I don't take any money from my household money to pay for any of this fishing stuff um, is really huge for me. Um, and then, honestly, I, I think consistency will get you to the goal every time. I mean, there's 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 a you know, there's there's a certain, obviously, a certain, I don't know how you'd want to say it, but a certain goal of, of winning one, I do want to win, um, but I am definitely happy just to make a top 10, and I mean, we fish with some of the, I mean, some of the best anglers in the country out here, uh, and to to finish six, you know, in that top 10 as, as often as I have is, is really an accomplishment for me and something that I feel is, is just as important as winning. Absolutely. You should definitely be proud of your, of your track record. And I know Scott said it a little bit on his show, but uh, for people that don't listen to Scott's show, you, you should, by the way, go listen to that. But in case you don't, Scott's talked about it a couple of times. You really, nobody really knew your name going into the championship last year. Now I did, you know, cause we, we had hung out uh, where, where were we? Where did we meet? It was like up in Connecticut. That's right. So we met up in Connecticut at a show. And so I kind of been watching you, but you kind of came in like nobody really knew who you were other than your local clubs and stuff. And, you know, there you are making a run, not only for rookie of the year, but you're really kind of in the angler of the year race as well. So, I mean, you've, you've come out of kind of nowhere, but I, I can't imagine there are too many people that seriously follow it now that don't know the name. Derek Brundle. So 
you you need to be you should definitely be proud of what uh, what you've accomplished in your your first year and a couple months you know yeah no i mean i i definitely am um and, and it's been a fun journey for sure uh and, and i just want to continue on that you know what i mean I, I like to like i said i like to stay consistent so i do my research for you know i've said it before but i do research two hours every day um on my next upcoming tournament until i get there then i do two hours on the next one every time um so so there's a lot that goes behind all that and and trying to catch up and you know not being as seasoned as a lot of these guys out here um i'm still learning thank god um and i think once i stop learning i'll probably stop fishing but um yeah i mean it, it's it's definitely something that i'm striving for this year to, to try and put one in the w column um so yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's 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 hopefully it'll continue and people will you know continue to follow me and grow my followings and things like that you know um, that's important. So, what do you think? Okay, so you talked about all all the pre work you do going into a tournament. So for our listeners, for guys who are wanting to get into tournament fishing and they're they're trying to figure out what that magic formula is, right? What are three tips pre tournament you would give to someone about preparing that prep time so i would say number one is um you know networking getting to know a lot of these guys out here getting to know some of these folks that you're fishing against and and, you know being honest with them and and then i i i'll be honest i reach out to a lot of people people that i haven't even met before and and sometimes you got to steer through some of the information but um there's a lot of guys out there that are willing to help you learn uh, especially some of these lakes that, you know, you've never been to or whatever. Um, so definitely, you know, you know, uh, you want to communicate with other anglers and, and do that social networking and try and get, you know, somebody you can lean on and, and be that person that if you have information, you know, you don't have to tell them you're super secret hole or anything like that. But, you know, uh, there's a lot of guys that, you know, actually in the tent, I went up to somebody and gave them one of my Casey Reed <laughs> and the Temptational right before I caught that nine pounder come by and he was having trouble catching fish. And I said, listen, man, I'm catching him on this stupid old 499 chatterbait. I got one left. I'll give it to you. He took it and he went on about his day. I don't think he caught anything on it, but, um, when I saw him at the ramp, I sure asked for it. <laughs> I asked back for it. Um, because I own, that was my, my last two that I had, but, um, you know, just doing stuff like that and, and communicating with other guys will help you out in the long run. Um, number two, YouTube is your friend. I mean, there is more videos out there on every single lake that you'll ever go to. Um, it's sure all the stuff can look the same and stuff like that. But if you pay attention to the backgrounds and you pay attention to these other things, you can pick out landmarks and things like that. And I hate to use the word because it's kind of foolish, but you can triangulate where that person is in a general area. And, and it might be a place you can go and start. Um, and then I know um, Kurt had said it earlier, Navionics is a great way to learn a lake. You can look at it on your phone, if even if you're a thousand miles away, and you can start looking for bottom structure and things like that. And then get there put your torpedo on or your motor guide or your pedals and you paddle and you go and just run that lake and find one of the key things that I think he said earlier was find something that's different. A lot of places in the lake 
can hold fish, but there's something different is where you're going to find, I think, that bigger caliber of fish. How about you, How about- Kurt? Uh, say the questions again. So what what were what would be three tips you would give other anglers on pre-fishing at the time leading up to uh, a tournament? What what are you doing to prepare and some tips that you can give people? Uh, you know, I mean, it goes along exactly like Derek was saying. I mean, it, it, it's just so much about preparing and and putting the time in. You know, I mean, uh, and you put two hours a night in, that beats me. And uh, not many people beat me in how much time I put into uh, a tournament prep like that. But, I mean, just being consistently looking for stuff and learning how to use Google the right way, right? Because people will get on there and just be like, and they won't know how to search, man. Search for old fishing reports. Old ones. 10 years old will be, man, there's nuggets in there of gold that will give you a starting point because honestly, you're not gonna find the secret honey hole this way. You know, I, I, you know, you're probably not gonna find it off YouTube videos. You're not gonna find it off of someone's Facebook page. But if you can figure out the seasonality of the lake, the historical weather on the lake, and you've got a place to start from where you can at least get a clue to what the fish are doing, that for you know, in the shortest amount of time possible. Because let's face it. We all don't have a week to pre-fish, right? Yeah. I mean, at best, I get three days. Yep. At best, right? I mean, I'm, you know, a lot of times it's two, and sometimes it's none. So, I mean, if you can get someplace and get out there and be like, hey, I got a pattern. I got something to go off of. They're fishing deep. They're, they're in deep water. They're in shallow water. I mean, just getting that starting place is so huge for me. And I tell you, before I get a starting place, man, I'm a nervous wreck about going to a tournament. Until I feel like I've read something or seen something that says this is where I should start at, I'm a nervous wreck, man. I'm a nervous wreck. And I'll tell you, if you just email some of these uh, Facebook guys who are uh, prolific YouTubers, you know, and if you just email them, a lot of times these guys will offer you killer information on places to start. They're definitely not going to tell you their honey holes, but man, they'll tell you, hey, the bite's been on a silver red-eye shad, half ounce, ripping it over the weeds, or or something like that that gives you a starting point. Because yeah. I mean, you gotta, I mean, and that's the biggest thing for me because I don't really want to know their honey hole. I don't really care. I don't really care where other people fish. I just I want to find my own fish. You know, like we like at Wingate, right? That main lake hump point, no one fished it. I never saw anyone on it the whole time I was down there. It was just me. I was the only person to fish. I never saw a motorboat on it. I never saw kayakers on it. So, I mean, to find some unmolested fish like that that are willing to bite, I mean, the bite wasn't crazy good out there. It was good for like a half hour, but it wasn't like a a magic bite, you know. I had to work for the fish out there, but, I mean, that's the first thing is just finding a starting point Um, and really just being prepared when you get down there, man. Don't. Don't restring your rods if you don't have to the night before the tournament or the or the one day you're down there, you're sitting there playing with your spools. Get all that stuff done at home, man. If you need to put new line on, be prepared. Get, I mean, put the new line on at home, man. Don't don't wait to get to the lake. Don't put that stuff off because it all that does is chew up the time you have for fishing and for learning the lake when you're down there. I mean, I put my 
I put blinders on when I get to those lakes like that for pre-fishing, man. My, I, I hardly talk to my wife. I hardly talk to any of my friends that aren't staying in the house with me because I am, once I get down there, the time is so limited, man. Every, literally every waking second is geared towards trying to figure out where the fish are. And, and, but in that, I'm having a good time with my buddies because they're all doing the same thing and we're all sharing the same passion with that. You know? awesome. and, and, and usually when I'm staying with people, we share some information in the house. You know? Well, there you have it, folks. <clears throat> that's the uh, the winning strategy right there, or at least the strategy to being really consistent, uh, which yeah. I think everybody wants uh, to have a little more consistency in their finishes. Now, Kurt, let's uh, let's backtrack a little bit where this conversation all began, and then we kind of went down this uh, wormhole here, which is great. We had some really great insights there. W- what did this? What did kicking off your 2020 season like this mean for you? Well. We have to go back to last year, right, for me. And, and it started with A.J. McCorth telling me about the TOC and his plans for it before it was announced, right? He, he was just like, I want to let you know this is coming. This is what we're thinking. And, and, and when he told me, I was like, I'm all in, man. 2019, I'm making the TOC. Yeah. That didn't happen, right? I mean, I tried really, really hard, and I just – for whatever my excuses are and whatever my reasons are, I just didn't, I just couldn't make it happen in 2019. So, man, that was my, my sole goal had, regardless of where I placed or how I did in this event was to make the TOC, which means a top three finish. And you did it. And, and I made it the first event. Yeah. That's huge to me. Hell yeah. That right there is huge to me. That goal right there was, uh, and, and it's really put, it's really put my head in a different space now for the rest of the season, man. You know, I've up my, I've up now. Now that major goal, which was my season-long goal, has been accomplished. Now my goals are even, you know, they're they're much higher now. They're Sky's much the limit now. Yeah. That's yeah, I know. Awesome. I I know that you're a Hobie guy. It, does that mean now that you've qualified for the TOC, are you going to focus on the bass and the KBF stuff more now that you've already qualified, or? Or how to, what what are you thinking on that? Well, also remember in the Hobie series this year, there's going to be an angler of the year. Yeah, win one of those boats too, yeah. Man, so uh, I don't care about the dumb boat, man, to be honest with you. You don't want that orange boat? Man, I personally don't care about the boat, man. But the title of angler of the year yeah. in the Hobie series, you know what I mean? Those guys, that would be huge, right? And then with the third place finish, that puts me in a very good spot for my point situation to uh, yes. move forward with them. So honestly, instead of me concentrating on other events, it's actually making me redouble yeah. down on the Hobie events. Um, but I am about to do Bass at Logan Martin. Is that, uh, is that your next event? Because that was going to be my next question is where are you guys headed next? Are you heading to Logan Martin next or are you going to fill in something else? Nope, Logan Martin's next, man. I'm, I'm all focused I was spending hours today looking at the maps and yeah. found some historical weather data that was kind of interesting for that time of year and it just it just what what the what ifs could be with the weather. Yeah, the lake fluctuations that have happened. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's it's still dropped down right now. Yep, yep. It should and it should be unless they get a ton of rain, be pretty low for the event, historically speaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's uh, I think it's gonna be cool, but. Uh, you know, a little tip here for people. 
right now, you that's when you want to be looking at this lake because if that water comes up, you'll know where that structure is. Yeah. So yeah. that's a little, little, little tip there for you guys. Talk about the next um, thing I want to accomplish now is to walk across that bass stage. Yes, so that's, sir. A top, that's a top 10 finish. I just talked to Steve Owens today about it. Yep. He told me it was top 10. And I hadn't heard that yet. I heard that it was going to be like the top three or the top five. I didn't know it was going to be the top 10. So, I mean, there's there's 10 people, you know. Yeah, that's uh, that's my goal, too. That was that was my goal with the whole FLW partnership. I was really close there at Nickajack. Um, again, you know, things happen. You just didn't, you don't make it. And that's kind of a heartbreaker. And then watch things happen. And I didn't make it. And that's, that's been a dream of mine since I was 14 is to walk on those stages, both of those stages. I've been a, I've been an FLW and a bass member since I was 14, you know? And yeah. so like, for me, that's, that's huge. That's what I want to do. I want to walk across. I don't care about the money. I don't care about any of it other than just experiencing that. So I'm doubling down, like you're saying, like I've put in so much time on this um, and I don't want to jinx myself, but, you know, I'm really focused on it as well. So, so Brundle, um, what's your next event, my man? Santee Cooper. Santee Cooper. Okay. Okay. Going down there. I wonder if the kid's going back to try and. uh... Yeah, he's going. Oh, watch out. He's going to, he's going to be fighting (laughs) for that one. So have yeah, you fished like, you know He spends all his time catching animals and ducks and lizards and whatever else. <laughs> he, you know, does. he does. <laughs> that kid could make a YouTube channel just about all of his random <laughs> experiences with animals, feeding raccoons and whatnot. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. So you're hitting up Santee Cooper. Is that your first time going down there? Yeah. Yep. Okay. And then what do you got after that? Are you going to be at the bass event? I probably won't be at any bass events till lacrosse. Ooh, that's going to be a fun one. That's going to be a fun yeah, one. Yeah, I, sure. I, I had so much fun out there this past year that I want to get back there. Um, and I had already committed to all the rest of the KBF stuff, mid-Atlantic and northeast. Um, I'm going to try and sneak in, hopefully, a pro event here and there. Um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes, but... Very good. Yes, Dan, Plus, I, a... I direct a trail here, um, oh. one of the local clubs, so I've got a lot of time invested in that as well. So, What uh, club is that? Uh, Any Bassin. Northeast Bassin? Yeah, Any Bassin. It's, um, I direct the Cape Cod Kayak Series here. Very cool. All right. So, Dan, my man, Detective Dan, where are you headed next, Uh-oh. buddy? Uh, it, it's going to be Logan Martin for me too. I, I live right here and I'm definitely, you know, it's an hour. That's my, I don't know if I'd say it's my favorite, but I, I mean, I love Logan Martin. Pickwick's my favorite, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's a lake. I get to fish pretty often. It's, it's going to be fun. I don't have a motor. I, I like, that's kind of the only thing that I'm, you know, that's a little, I, I know both Derek and Kurt, both y'all are motor guys and you as well, Sam. So, uh, that's the only thing I'm a little bit worried about that event. I've never fished in a motor event. So, yeah. Yeah. Say what? I said, if you see me paddling, there's a problem. Man, let's hear it. Come on, man. <laughs> top three baits? Yeah, top three baits. Logan Martin in early March. Early March. Um, it depends on, on if you're fishing for spots or largemouth. You're top I, three and, baits, man. 
Well, I'm fishing I'm... for the largest fish in the lake. Longest, not largest, longest fish in the lake. <laughs> what three baits? What three baits do I need to throw? Uh, what? <laughs> we almost. I, mean, I thought it, we almost it, had it. Like, no, down. it's it, it's fine. Let, let, okay, let Logan Martin that time of year. You got though something on the bottom. So whether that's shaky head or a football jig, something like that, you're going to be fishing line points, soft pockets. Uh, you. I mean, I, I really think it's going to take a large mouth. There's some big spots. If you go down south, down south has more quantity. Up middle lake, a little bit better fish. But it could get tough, and then you need to go down south and catch a bunch of fish. So uh, I'm not trying to give anything away there, but you're going to fish. It's a lot of rock uh, and some docks. So usually some kind of Senko, wacky rig, or Texas rig fishing docks. Going to have to have a shaky head. And then probably a jig, just flipping flipping jig, flicking, flipping hard cover, laydowns, things like that. I mean, those, those always play on Logan Martin. I'm not giving anything away. So Yeah. All right. Very cool. Very cool. So, but I've seen people win down south too. So, you can go down south and catch them too. I, I don't, I'm not saying that's not a great part of the lake too, but yeah. Kurt's just excited. Cool. He can throw a shaky head and catch them. Oh man, Texas rig. Just get, just give me a Texas rig bite, man. That's all I want. That's all you want. <laughs> I love to fish like stocks. It. I'll just fish stocks all day. I'm okay with that. I found something pretty juicy. I'm not going to lie. And no. then. I got uh, I got a, a buddy who's not far from there as well, who uh, who shared some juice with me. So we'll go we'll go see check it out. But you know what? It doesn't matter. You can find all you want during prep. You got to go down and figure out that bite. And that's the thing. We could sit here and literally tell people exactly what to catch them on. That doesn't mean they're going to find the fish or vice versa. We can tell them where to go, but that doesn't mean they're going to figure out the bite. So that's what makes this fun, this sport fun and challenging. Um, and that's what I love about it. All right. So we got, uh, we've talked about the tournaments. We've talked about what it means for you. We've talked about what's up next. Let's finish this off with what are the goals for 2020? Kurt, you already started talking about it a little bit. It was to, it was to get the TOC. Now it sounds like it's AOI. Are there any other goals in there for you for 2020 statements you want to make? Man, I- well, no statements because this is fishing and things can change on a dime. But, uh, man, you know, my goals are, are walking across the bass stage at Logan Martin, Angler of the Year for uh, Hobie, the National Championship uh, for KBF. And, and I think that's enough. What's the National <laughs> Championship goal? Is it to qualify for 2021 or is it to win this year? Well, I'm, per- I'm permanently qualified. Okay. Oh, that's right. That. That's right. Because oh. you, you won a tournament or something yeah. like that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, the national championship is, 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 is win or lose to me. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. you know, it's, it, it, that's my mentality I'm going into it with, man. I, you know, I really want to win, you know. How do you feel and about so, that? And though? so do 683 other guys or whoever, you know, how many ever else are signed up. They all want to win it. We're all hungry for it, man. That's what makes it so exciting and so hard is that, let's face it, man, everybody's in it, right? Yeah. Everybody's in it. I mean, I, if you're qualified and you don't go to that and you live within eight hours, it's kind of weird. Agreed. Agreed. You know, unless so, you got a job or, or, you know, some family thing, you know, something like that. But 
if you're just like, ah, oh, you know, I qualify, but I just, you know, I, I don't think I'm going to go. That's just kind of weird if you're a tournament angler. You know what I mean? It's the biggest, it's, it's literally our biggest event. It's not the biggest stage because I think the bass and the FLW stage were the, are the biggest stages, sure. but it's our biggest tournament and our biggest payout. Let's face it, man. You do well in that, man, you're set for a couple of years. I mean, even if you're like third or fourth, you know, you walk with 10 grand, man, I can stretch 10 grand for a, a lot of entry years. fees, a lot of entry fees for sure. Yeah. yeah. So uh, what is your feelings about it being on Gunnersville? Are you excited about Gunnersville? Does that challenge you a little bit? What are some of the thoughts there? Um, you know, I'm really excited that it's on Gunnersville. I'm very excited about Gunnersville. The only hesitation I have about it being on Gunnersville is that Gunnersville is a big lake, don't get me wrong, but it fishes very small. Yeah. yeah. I mean, much smaller than, honestly, much smaller than any other southern lake I've been on. Yeah. There's only so many access points. There's only, honestly, there's only so many good fishing spots around those places, you know. And, and, and my prediction is it's going to be someone who finds that that different fish, and you're going to probably hear, yeah, I saw two people all day. And that's what I, you're going to hear from the guy who wins it. I think so, too. I think you're going to have a lot of guys up top fishing that traditional structure that we all know plays in the spring. I think that's going to be tough because you not only do you have tournament anglers out there, but that time of year, everyone is traveling from all over the country to go hit the same exact spots that we all know. So I think those are going to play because someone is still going to catch them or people are going to still catch them in those areas. But I think you're right. It's going to be that person that finds exactly what you guys are talking about, that different area. Um, three that, days, yeah. three days of good fish. Right. And that's the other thing about those more traditional honey holes that everyone knows about those community spots. They're very inconsistent and have been very inconsistent in past events. So it's definitely going to be an interesting tournament. I, I haven't been to Gunnersville in a long time, um, but I'm excited to get back down there, but I think it's going to be extremely challenging uh, to, to put, three days worth of good limits together. So it's going to be fun for sure. I'd be happy to guide anybody for a nominal fee. So yeah, just holler at me. <laughs> I do oh, live two boy. hours away. I go up there pretty regular. But yet you're not fishing the event. I didn't fish KBF last year, so no, I'm not in it. How so hold on. Let's talk about <laughs> the jackhammer. How much does uh, one chatterbait give me? <laughs> let's talk about that for a second, Dan. So you you are right there on the lake. You know the lake well. Right, you knew it was the NC was going to be on Gunnersville. Did it just slip your mind not to fish? Or I know. okay, I, I, all right. I, I'm kicking myself, but you know, okay. it is what it is. Well, Fair enough. Not in it, man. The top three baits for Gunnersville. And <laughs> pause. I'll edit this out if you say anything. <laughs> <laughs> Red lipless crankbait. A swim bait and a jackhammer. What what day is it? It's at the end of March, right? Yeah, end of March. A April second through the fourth. Yeah. yeah. I I got third in a tournament there last year for North Alabama, and it was out of seventy some people. And I had four fish that come off that would all have given me first place. So I mean, it's it's a it, and they were what all they over five. What they come off on? I'll tell you. It's, <laughs> <laughs> gotta, gotta pay up huh 
Yeah. All I'll right, give you all spots. Right. I'll give you baits. Whatever you want. Hit me up. <laughs> Anything no, for it's, a dollar, it's, huh? it's just regular post spawn. I mean, you can find it all online. There's nothing. Uh, Alabama and Gunnersville, you know, there's so much pressure and so many people have fish here. So many videos. So much, uh, you know, fishing reports. It's there's nobody's going out there with a secret bait and catching them. You're just going to be in the right area at the right time whenever them bigs show up. Okay, okay. All right, DB, Mr. Angler of the Year for Northeast, Rookie of the Year for the entire nation, and top three finisher at the 10. What, what, what's left for you? What's the next goal? What's that next, uh, that next piece? Well, and I, it's been said a few times tonight, but I, I definitely want a chance to walk across that bass stage for sure. Um, and, and, and I think I might be able to do that at lacrosse. Uh, I know there's probably going to be a ton of people there, but um, man, there's something special about that place that I really kind of connected with when I was up there. So um, I think I, I might be able to make that happen there. Um, I would definitely like to finish top 10 at the NC for sure. Um, I've never been to Gunnersville, but you know, I've never been to any of these lakes before either. So uh, I'm just going right. to go there with the same intentions that I always go with and adjust accordingly. Um, and, and, and I would really, really, you know, I, I, I hate putting stuff out there, but I really want to win angler of the year this year for KBF. So for trail pro tour, which one? For the trail. Cause I, I don't think I'm going to make a lot enough pro events to do it. Um, okay. but definitely for the trail series, I, I, I want to make a run at AOI for sure. Awesome. Well, you made a hell of a run last year, and um, I, I can totally see you landing in that. You're already off to a great start. So I think I lost my co-host here. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, he's probably getting 100 messages for uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's a good thing this isn't live, or he, right? would, uh, he would, yes, totally be getting blown up right now. And, and his weekend is going to be jam-packed, because this will air on Friday, and he's going oh, yeah. to be busy. That's for sure. So, well, I just tried calling him and I couldn't get him back in here. So what we're going to do, guys, we're going to kind of wrap this thing up. Um, I think we've had some really great conversation and there's definitely been some gems in here for the audience. So I hope they uh, had a pad and paper or a pen and paper ready. Uh, But uh, anything, anything else that you guys want to talk about before, uh, before we start closing this up? Man, I I would just like to thank my sponsors, man. Uh, Yes, let's do that. Let's do that. You want to go first, man? Sure, sure, yeah. I mean, uh, definitely the sponsors are what keeps us rolling, um, keeps us in the game. Uh, definitely New Canoe for me, they've stepped up huge for me and, and really provide me with basically whatever I ask for and whatever I need. Um, I couldn't I couldn't be more proud to be a part of New Canoe. Um, I also got in with uh, a rod company that's just coming out, Exotic High Performance Rods. I've been doing a lot of testing and, and, and designing with them. Um, they performed unbelievable down there in, in Florida this past week. Um, Tightlines Worldwide is a, is a really neat apparel company that um, has strong ties to the fishing community. So um, really, really, really enjoy being a part of that with them. Um, Motor Guide, of course, everybody probably sick of hearing about my motor guide but i love that thing if i if my life if my wife would let me put it in the bed next to me and sleep with me then it probably would but there's no room left (laughs) with her and the dog so i 
the motor guys go sleep in the basement. But um, yeah, Thrasher Sports Apparel, um, they do all my jerseys for me. Um, Castaic Lures, Reaction Strike, um, you know, uh, Amped Outdoors, my lithium sponsor. I love those batteries. Uh, they weigh practically nothing, and you know, they last all all day long. So, um, Amphibia Eye Gear, I think. Probably, in my opinion, some of the best sunglasses out there. And um, I think that's it. If I missed anybody, I truly apologize. But Well, it sounds like you got a lot of great support there, man. So uh, I do. I'm, I'm very fortunate. Shout out to all those guys. And I want to hear about your I want to hear about your battery on that motor guide. I want to know. So I'm going to offline. I want to talk to you and see how long you're getting stuff. I'm curious. Uh, I always like compare all these different battery brands. So it's interesting. You think a lithium battery is a lithium battery, but they're all different. Yeah. All right. Very cool. Well, uh, thanks for, thanks for coming on tonight, Derek, and, uh, appreciate you uh, taking the time to do that for us. Um, and congratulations on another outstanding tournament and I wish you the best this season, my man. Yeah, thank you. I wish you guys the best as well. I mean, it, thanks for having me on. It, it's been it's been a great uh, great episode in my opinion. I get to talk with Kurt, obviously, you guys, and and you know, hopefully we all get together on the water at some point, and uh, you know, maybe go head to head or something, something foolish. It, it sounds like you need to uh, you need to consider Logan Martin. I know what is what is the date? It is going to be uh, the it's a it's on a Wednesday. It's like the. Or Thursday, it's like the seventh, I think, or the fifth. No, let's see, the 29th is Sunday, so it's March, right? Yeah, yeah. First, first week of March, same time as the Bassmaster Classic. So, yeah. right before the Bassmaster Classic. And what's great about it is you can you can get down there on the weekend, practice. You know, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Tournaments on Thursday. Then you get to experience the Expo and the Classic if you hang out you know, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So, um, or Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So pretty cool event. There's going to be a lot of fun, <laughs> a lot of parties, a lot of parties. I can just tell you from previous classic experience, if you've never been to one, so definitely something to consider. Love to see you down there. Just saying. Yeah, I mean, it's not off the table. Let's put it that way. There we go. There we go. Sold them. You're <laughs> welcome, Bass. You're welcome. There's another entry fee. <laughs> All right. All right, Derek. Well, thanks again, man. And uh, I'm going to give our boy Kurt here an opportunity to uh, to thank his amazing sponsors. All right, Kurt. Good luck, brother. We'll see you guys out on the trail. So uh, I'd like to uh, first thank Kobe. They're a big sponsor of mine, man. I've been a sponsor with them before I was doing tur- even doing tournaments, and they've just been a huge sponsor and a huge uh, supporter of the community with the BOS series. If you haven't checked out the Hobie Bass Open Series, you definitely do so. Uh, another big sponsor of mine is Strictly Sail. If you need a Hobie kayak and you live in the, uh, you know, the tri-state area of Cincinnati, Ohio, come check them out. They also have a great online store. Fishing online, all your fishing tackle needs, go there. Those guys are great guys. Incredibly fast shipping, which is awesome. And, they're all, and they all fish and they know what it's all about. Um, you know, yak attack, catch boards, never lost uh, leashes, torpedo. Um, you know, I always forget somebody in there, and I think that's actually everybody right there. 
Well, I'm sorry, Picasso, I, I, I just picked up Picasso, so I'm not used to saying them. And I don't want to forget Picasso because I used some of their gear this weekend and I used their quarter ounce tungsten that has this crazy hard coating on it. It does not ship. Check, out, cool. check them out, man. It's killer stuff. So, Kurt, I want to ask you something real quick. And this isn't a question that I've often asked, but as you're sitting there and you're talking about sponsors, it kind of pops into my head. You know, you've been in the game a little while now. You kind of understand it. You work a lot in the retail side as well um, and, and and doing these shows and these expos and that sort of stuff. So we have a lot of people that obviously listening to to our podcast who are maybe just new, getting into the tournament side of things. And they see these guys and they hear these guys ramble off these sponsors and they think, hey, that's something that I need or that's something that I would want. I, want, I have products that I like to represent, but I don't know how to go about this whole staffing thing and i'm not talking about like the traditional like pro staff badge type thing right we're talking about actual partnerships and relationships with companies you've done a great job of building those is there any advice you could give to our listeners about how to go about that the right way well you know the right you put it the right way just by how you described it and you have to build relationships and and the first thing that i would say is don't pick up don't pick up any meaningless sponsorship, man, just to have them as a sponsor. You know, if someone's just gonna give you 10%, they're really not working with you. But let's say it's a company that you are already using their stuff and paying full price for, and you love their product. And that's your foot in the door with them. Those are the guys to pick. The guys to pick that you wanna work with is stuff that you would pay full price for. Every single one of my sponsors are people that I paid full price for their stuff before I got on their teams. Every single one of them I had to work for to get on the team. You know, I had to spend hours of not getting compensated for promoting their product to get on their team. But it took a while to develop these. And, and I'm not the best guy at it. You know, the best guy I know at it's like Ron Champion, you know. He really has these amazing relationships with these outstanding companies, you know. and and honestly, I, I talk to Ron a lot of times for advice on it. But And, and that, that's the way to get started, though. That, that's the way to get your foot in the door is to go to these companies that you already believe in. You know, you believe in them so much that you pay the extra to use their stuff. You know, because you're going to find, once you get into this and have some success, anybody is going to find this, that you can pick up garbage sponsors left and right. You know, I mean, let's face it, there's some yeah. companies out there that I'm not going to mention, but you can go on there right now and have no experience and be on their pro staff. You know, those aren't the companies you want because, quite honestly, the quality companies know who those other companies are and they will, they'll shy away from you if you say you're associated with them. Sure, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and honestly, you know, it, it, most of the time, those partnerships don't ever go anywhere. And, and that's what it's all about. It's about building that partnership over a long period of time. It, it doesn't happen quick. Everyone seems to think it's like the flip of a switch and it, and it's not, it's not that way. So, all right, cool. I just, I always think it's great to get people's take on that who have been in the industry a little bit longer um, because it's, it's always a little more well-developed and I think it's, it's more insightful than just asking, you know, somebody that's just getting started. Yeah. So, all right, very cool. 
Well, um, I got to go over some tourney recaps, or not tourney recaps, some upcoming tournaments. I've lost my co-host, so unless you want to stay around and go over these with me. Sure, man. I'll hang out. <laughs> All right, cool, cool. Kurt's going to... Kurt's going to assume co-host duties uh, for Dan right now. So, hey, you know, Dan and I usually talk about the tournaments that we're going to go over um, prior to recording. So you haven't had that opportunity. (laughs) Um, So I'll kick it off here. But um, so we're going to talk about three tournaments tonight and uh, we're going to recap those on the next episode. We're finally back into this tournament season. I'm super excited about it. Um, So the first one is actually Southeast Texas Kayak Bass Fishing League. Um, huge league out in Texas, and they are, uh, they're on tournament number two for their season. Uh, one, of our, one of our other hosts on Paddle and Finn, uh, Dustin Nichols, fishes with this group, and they've got a tournament uh, next weekend on the 8th, um, and it's on Fairfield, yeah, Fairfield Lake, which I, I'm not familiar with. I don't know if you are oh. or not. But if it's in Texas, it's got to be good, right? Yeah, yeah. Or at least have the potential to be good. So it looks like they got like uh, 23 anglers signed up already. Um, all Texas boys, it looks like, for the most part. And uh, that should be a pretty cool one. That's a typical five-fish limit uh, tournament. Uh, but the rest of the details aren't really in here yet. Like, everything's to be determined. Uh, so that'll but be a cool one. Think about that. They're, they're on tournament number two already. I know, right? And I'm like dying to get in one. Yeah, in Ohio, we still have like another month before our first tournament. Yeah, we, yeah, we start we start in April um, here in Indiana, and we had ice up until this warm front and this rain. Uh, it probably refreeze now as everything's getting cold again. But like, I'm itching, so I wish I could have made those uh, tournaments. But man, everything's in like Texas or Florida, and it's just yeah. it wasn't happening for me this year with birthdays and all kinds of things going on. But uh, yeah, it, that should be a really good event. Um, the next one that we're going to be talking about next weekend is uh, Queen City. So uh, we actually just had Vinny on. He was a guest. Oh, was it two episodes ago or three episodes ago? We had him on. Uh, really cool club out there, doing some uh, doing some really awesome stuff. They they get great participation. They're going to be on uh, Lake Murray. Or Murray. I don't know how they pronounce it down there, but uh, they are. They're sitting with over like 50. Oh my gosh, over 60 people already signed up for that event. So, yeah, anglers, wow. Yeah, and that's a that's a club event, you know, uh, Queen City kayak bass fishing. Uh, a lot of a lot of great anglers signed up in this one. Um, wow, man, so, 60 anglers already. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I'm I'm watching I'm watching that South Carolina North Carolina area because. Hobie's got a big event there on uh, on Norman in uh, was it April? I think it's like second week of April or something like that. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of watching that really closely because that's like one event that I might be able to make. Um, so just kind of have, have you been to the Hobie event yet? No, no. It, you need to make them, man. They set I know. the benchmark so incredibly high for everybody else. Yeah, I know. I've I've interviewed so many guys who have fished the Hobie events, and I've I've watched it obviously. For some reason, last year and this year, all of their events like hit bad timing for me. They did last year, and it does kind of this year. 
but I'm trying, I'm trying to work, I'm trying to work one in. So that Norman one's on my list and, uh, the lacrosse and stuff like that. So we'll see, hopefully, hopefully. And then the last one we're covering, which I don't know that we've covered one on our show before out of Oklahoma, Oklahoma kayak anglers. They're, uh, they're doing a front fundraiser event. So this is pretty cool. It's, it's giving back to a great cause. Um, I have to forgive me. I don't remember off the top of my head what that what that cause was, but uh, they they've got a tournament going on out there in Oklahoma. But only four people signed up so far for that. So seems like uh, it'd be cold in Oklahoma. Yeah, that's kind of what I was wondering when I when I pulled it up and I and I looked at what was available on Tourney X, what tournaments were coming up. I was a little exp- surprised to see Oklahoma. I know it doesn't freeze out there, but it definitely does get cold and the bike can get tough. Um, but, uh, yeah, they're fishing February 7th, um, and they got four anglers signed up right now. So, uh, if you're in Oklahoma, check that out and, and jump on that. So yeah, that's, uh, that's what we're going to be talking about next week. Those are the tournaments, um, that Texas one will be interesting to see what kind of numbers come out of Texas right yeah. now. So I'm excited. Those Texas boys always put up some big fish. Yeah. Yeah. I always enjoy watching those. Are you going to get out to Texas this year at all? Um, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so. Hobie's Lake Fork uh, in March, right? Yeah, I I don't think I'm going to make that one. I think that's just uh, the bass is kind of... The priority. Well, I don't want to say it's a priority. Oh, yeah, it's a priority. (laughs) It's okay. It's okay. There's plenty of guys that that, that's their priority. I'm, I'm super focused on it. It's one of the... One of the reasons that I wasn't too upset about missing some of these other tournaments is just gave me that much more time to kind of focus on that event. But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. There's nothing wrong. And it's only like eight hours away. Right. Much closer (laughs) than Texas for us. So, all right. Well, Kurt, thanks for jumping on, man. Thanks for uh, hanging out with me a little bit longer so I wasn't by myself going through uh, next week's tournaments. And uh, I appreciate you, as always, my friend. I look forward to seeing you this weekend at the uh, Columbus, Ohio Fishing Expo. You're going to be at the Strictly Sale booth, is that right? Yep, I'll be at the Strictly Sale booth uh, on Saturday, man. So if anyone's interested in hobies or kayak fishing or just want to talk fishing in general, man, stop on by and I'll be there. I'll be more happy to hang out, man. That's what it's all about. I'll see you there. We'll hang out for a little while. And Is for Alan sure. coming? I don't think Alan's going to make it. Uh, I don't think he's going to make it. So I'll be, uh, I'll be working at the biz baits booth and I'll kind of jump over with the guys over at accent from time to time. Uh, and then of course I'll be walking around and hanging out with everyone, but, uh, yeah, we'll get together maybe do dinner or something after the show. So that'll be fun. And, uh, I'm heading down tomorrow. So I'm going to be there like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So it's gonna be a long, long haul for me, <laughs> but, uh, it's all good. I enjoy it. So, all right, man. Well, thanks again, and uh, we'll see you. We'll see you soon, my friend. Thanks, man. See you. All right, later. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. Deuces. Go check out the website, guys. Paddle the letter N in fin.com. Also, check out YouTube. YouTube.com forward slash paddle and fin. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest, feel free to email us at paddle, the letter N, and fin at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media. We're doing giveaways, announcements, things like that at Facebook and Instagram at paddle and fin. Shout out to our show supporters, Rocktown Adventures, Loveland Canoe and Kayak. 
hammered lures, fish mob lures, TRC covers, catch products. Go to catchproducts.com. You can put the paddle and fin logo right on your catch board. Don't forget to go over and pick up your Jig Masters jigs. Use promo code PNF20 and save 20% today. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to. It helps grow the audience, helps others find our podcast. So please drop a five-star rating in on the podcast platform you're listening on. Don't forget about the recycled plastics program, you guys. Take your used plastic baits, put them in an envelope, mail them to the address in the show notes. Our man Eric Richards at Hammered Lures melts those down, makes new baits, and donates them to various chapters of Heroes on the Water. You'd think, with four of us spread out on a tiny island, that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But, as I've learned, no matter where I've been, whitetails can be damn tricky. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew here at Duck Camp Dinners every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Birds up in the sky.